Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to Birth Stories with me, Clemmie Hooper created by Offscript. I actually didn't necessarily feel ready myself to want to go through that pregnancy process again, but my eldest was two and a half and I wanted it like a roughly a three and a half year age gap. So that was kind of the, the biggest driver. He could really understand the concept of a baby growing. And he had brought home from nursery these watermelon seeds and we planted them in the garden. And I used that analogy with the baby and I said, oh, you know, so I've got a baby, we need to feed it and water it. And so he would then bring me things to be like, look, mama, you know, you need to feed and water the baby. I'm just fascinated with what the human body can do. I'd look at myself changing and see and feel this baby inside me and it would just be it was just the coolest thing you just can't explain it hello i'm clemmy hooper and welcome to birth stories a podcast where i talk to amazing women about the fascinating and unique ways they have their babies just a quick note we'll be talking about childbirth in a lot of detail so you may not want to listen to this podcast around young children Today's guest is pre- and postnatal fitness expert and founder of Strong Like Mum, mother of two, Shakira Akabusi. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's so lovely to see you again. So um, it sounded like you got pregnant pretty easily second time round. Yeah, yeah, we we had that whole, oh gosh, you know, it could take us a while, so let's get started now and then ping first time. There he was. <laughs> what a relief. Yeah. Yeah, there's something like first time you're super excited, but it's the unknown. Second time you're super excited, but you know what to expect. Would you say your second pregnancy was easier than your first? How did they compare? No, do you know what? I actually was the complete opposite of of what you've just said there. Oh, really? Whereas I found the second time, I still felt like I knew nothing because it was all so different. And in a way, it made me more nervous because I thought this didn't happen the first time. What, you know, what does this mean? Because I, I know what my body would do when it's pregnant. And even though you're always told, and I know every pregnancy is different. I see it in my line of work all the time. When it's happening to you, I just, you know, that made me really worry. So I definitely didn't feel like, oh, I know what I'm doing. Were you more nervous second time? Or were you more anxious? Like, how did it kind of affect your mental health? Yeah, I was, I was definitely more anxious. I also, I had a really positive first pregnancy really positive first labor and I I was concerned I know it's silly because I should have just really embraced that and been like wow okay let me run with this positive feeling but I actually was really worried and my anxiety grew around how can I live up to that first pregnancy and that first labor the bars set really high it it can't be that good what you know what's going to happen how am I how am I going to cope with it and did you stay really fit? And you were working throughout your pregnancy, I presume. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I worked through both my pregnancies. I ran, continued working out at the gym and all of that. I mean, that's that's my passion. So, yeah. And to be honest, that's 
probably the main thing that helped me cope with all the anxiety issues that I was having having was all my health and fitness. Yeah. So second time around, did you write a birth plan or birth preferences or were you just kind of like, let's just see what happens? I did. I actually probably had more of a birth plan the second time around. Interesting. But none of it worked out as so often it doesn't. Mm. But it was great. And I think what's really good about doing the birth plan process, which I didn't do the first time, was it would allow me to feel a certain level of control about what was happening and it just allowed me that feeling of preparation. I I really wanted medication in my labour, but I wanted to do hypnobirthing the second time round. Did it help with your pregnancy anxiety? Yeah, it really did. It helped with that and it helped with with the labour. It was really good. Yeah, it's funny, hypnobirthing I still think has this really kind of like hippy dippy connotations and people are like oh what's all that but it's just breathing yeah exactly yeah and also with all my anxiety and having to deal with that over the last few years that taught me a lot about how breathing can really directly impact you know what's going on with you with your physical body and with your emotions and it really can have an amazing impact so I was much more open-minded the second time. The first time I was, you know, as you just said, I thought, oh, no, 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 I hate this whole visualisation thing. But the <laughs> second time I really, really loved it. You openly talk on on your blog and your Instagram and I've heard you talk on Panel Talks about um, your OCD. Mm-hmm. And you said that you didn't feel you got support in this pregnancy, even though you were very vocal and saying to your midwife, I've got OCD or yeah. what support is in place. So what happened with that? Yeah, the midwife that was assigned to me, I I was told at the beginning of my second pregnancy, and I actually think this is something that spurred my anxiety, was that I was low risk. And so they gave me a midwife that dealt with low risk pregnancy. So that instantly made me feel really nervous. And I'd I'd asked for a different midwife. I'd said, oh, can I have this? And they said, no, 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 you're low risk, so you can go with this lady. Was this a different midwife that you had in your first, first one? Yeah, I, I said, look, can I have the same? Yeah. They said, no, you're low risk, so mm. we'll send you over there. And when it came to um, my mental health, I had said to her, look, during my first pregnancy, I met with an anaesthetist because I really wanted the epidural, but I'm also needle phobic. And oh, that right. whole scenario is really causing me a lot of anxiety, sleepless nights. Um, and it's one of the catalysts for my OCD. So I want to meet with an anaesthetist again, this time to talk to them about my options. Mm. And then her response to that was mental health doesn't qualify for a referral. What? And so I was like, oh, and so I then sort of really fought the process. I called my GP and then I spoke to a different midwife and eventually they put me into some sort of channel that led to me to speak to um, a midwife at the actual hospital mm-hmm. who was the head of men- of like perinatal mental health okay. or something. So luckily then I was in touch with her and she was great. So as soon as I had that contact, she said, look, I'll refer you today, no problem. So then I, I felt really supported. So after that, it was great. But that initial sort of conversation that I had about it wasn't positive. And I think... It worried me because I was happy to really fight for what I wanted. I'm sure there'll be some women who would just take that face value and accept that and, you know, potentially could struggle their entire pregnancy. And don't know about the services and provisions that are in place within the NHS. You know, there is um, a perinatal mental health midwifery team or service in every NHS hospital. I I know that now from my hospital, but I didn't know that before. So you're getting close to your estimated due date. Mm -hmm. Did you pack a hospital bag? Did you do all of that? I did. I did. Because again, I found this second time round, what I found hard during the pregnancy was to focus 
on the pregnancy. Like I said, I had my eldest already and I was so busy parenting him. And I, it, it was in one of our hypnobirthing sessions that I just started crying my eyes out. And I was like, I just feel like I haven't spent any time really focusing on this baby and we Aww. haven't even made a space for it in the house and I haven't packed the hospital bag and we went home that day and we moved furniture around made a space for the new crib and you know all of that I've started washing all the baby clothes and packing the bag so that was like a big process that we eventually then got to and that was that was really good. So what was the first sign what was your first inkling that something might have been happening that you were going into labour? So <laughs> I this is again so silly I must sound like an idiot, but I didn't <laughs> realise that I was in labour. I thought it was just a tummy ache. It's so silly. Cause I was loads pregnant. of people say that. Yeah, because loads. it does. Like, And I'd had Braxton Hicks yeah. a lot yeah, for like half of the pregnancy. So I just thought, oh, a couple of Braxton Hicks. And then I'd gone fruit picking with my eldest son. Mm-hmm. And we were walking around, we collected all the fruit and I met these two women at the little park at the end and I was like, oh yeah, I'm pregnant, oh, I've had some tummy aches today and they were like, oh gosh, you know, go home, get some rest and I was like, yeah, yeah. How many weeks were you there? I had one week left, so okay. I, I should have known, but I, <laughs> I didn't. I think um, when you've got another child as well, you are so absorbed, like the fact that you went fruit picking, the amount of women that were like, I went swimming and yeah, then I hosted a birthday party. Yeah, exactly, you just don't, I just wasn't really thinking and then my husband had come home early that day. I don't know why, he, but he'd been able to come home just a couple of hours early. So he said, oh, I'm going to go and play golf with a friend. And I said, oh, OK, great. I'm going to lie down. I don't feel great. Um, put our eldest to bed at 7 p.m. My husband went off. And then I was lying there in bed and I was like, oh, gosh, I keep getting this stomachache. <laughs> and it wasn't until I got out of bed and I, I was in the bathroom and I was holding onto the side of the bath. And I was like, hang on a minute. <laughs> I was like, something, just a tiny inkling. The bump wasn't the giveaway. No, exactly, exactly. <laughs> the fact that I was a week from my due date, it didn't twig. But all of a sudden I thought, this is slightly more intense than before. Mm. So that was like the first, probably not the first sign, but the first sign that I really registered. Yeah. So what was that in the evening? That was in the evening. And then I called my husband because I was only getting these contractions every half an hour or so. Right. And then at that stage, it was every 15 minutes. So I thought every 10 to 15 minutes, I thought, OK, this must be progressing. Mm. And I'd wanted to get to the hospital as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to stay at home or anything. So I called him and I said, look, I'm pretty sure this is labour. We've, we've got to go. <laughs> and his response was... Okay, well, I'll probably just finish the last two holes and then I'll come home. Always playing golf. Golf. <laughs> I'll probably just finish the last two holes. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like, just just come home now. And he was like, but, but they're on the way to the car. And I was like, I don't care. You just walk past them. You get to the car and you come home. So he, he was then home. Yeah. But again, you just instinctively wanted him there. I, yeah, definitely wanted knew. him there. I really rely on my support network, which mm. is... Which is, again, very different. It took a certain level of maturity for me to get to that stage. Because before I was like, I want to do it all myself. Takes a village. Yeah, it certainly does. Yes, and then straight away he he came home and then we went down to the hospital. So who came to look after your little one? Who was your little network of... Everyone was in place. So (laughs) my mum, so my husband's mum lives just a few minutes down the road. So she came to our house. And then my mum, who lives a few hours away, she came down and my husband's mum left and my mum stayed at our house right um and my sister was also at the birth with me she was so my husband and i had my sister oh, there wow. 
Wow. Has your sister got children? No, but my sister is really decisive. And in the first, my first labour, I'd wanted my husband and my mum. And he came so early that my mum had picked my sister up from the airport. So she ended up coming down. And my mum was a disaster. And my sister had been so amazing. So I thought, okay, mum can stay at home with the oldest. I need my sister there. So she was great. Really? Yeah. And you knew you wanted to go in. You didn't want to do the staying at home until the last minute. So again, for me, if I was at home, I'd be so anxious. I want to be where the doctors are, where the midwives are, where all the experts, specialists, all the equipment. That, to me, calms me down. If I could have lived in the car park of the hospital (laughs) for the whole week before, I would have done that. Really? Yeah, I would have done better. Hospitals are your safe place. Definitely for labour, yeah. I just wanted to be where where all the safe things were. (laughs) Well, I think for some women, home is safe. Yeah. For some women, it's hospital. Yeah. How was the journey to the hospital? Did you have that awful contractions in the car? Yeah, I think I was okay. I it was such a quick journey. We were so we were so lucky. And I just remember being really excited because I was like, okay, going to do it now. He's going to be here and then it's done and I've got the baby. And I like the fact that I'd started the process. I felt okay, I can now I'm just doing it now. Now I've just got to do it, you know, rather than waiting for it to start. So you were excited. Yeah. Yeah. So how are you feeling? Because obviously you get to the hospital and you get triaged and checked over by the midwife. Were you very much like, I want an epidural now? Yeah. So the first time I met with the anaesthetist and they'd written in block capital red letters on the front of my pregnancy notes, must have epidural, (laughs) like with a massive star. And so I wanted to get the same thing. And I know that the second time around, it can be a lot quicker, the the labour. And I was really worried I'm not going to have time. So I wanted the same thing. She didn't write it in block capitals, this anaesthetist, but she did put it in my notes, like, can have the epidural as soon as, blah, blah, blah. So I went in and I literally did exactly what you said. I got to the front desk and I was like, I want the epidural (laughs) right now. Amazing. (laughs) um, But they they didn't give it to me straight away because I said, I'm having contractions every 15 minutes. And they said, well, we need to check that you're in established labour first. Mm. So is that... Yeah. I can't wiggle my way around that. No. (laughs) The main reason is, you know that once you're in established labour, we know you're ready to go and it's going to happen. If you had the epidural too early and you weren't in established labour, you're just going to prolong your labour. You might end up having more intervention, like having your waters broken, having the syntocin on the hormone drip. And what's wrong with that? Well, it's just going to, more intervention to you and just going to prolong labour and isn't great for baby. Okay. When labour is progressing, it progresses beautifully. Like the body is so clever, it can just do it. Yeah. But if we're sort of going in and doing stuff, when I know you are high risk because of your mental health, but physically yeah. you're low risk. Yeah, yeah. Like we don't want to add unnecessary risk to you. Okay. So what did they do? Did they wait a bit? So they they put me. They were like, we're going to take you to B eight is the labour ward. B five was the maternity ward where yeah. there's you know not much medication. And so we're going to take you to B5. I was like, no, 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 I don't want to go there. <laughs> not B5. Yeah, I was like, not B5. And they were like, you have to go there. Just um, we're going to check to see how far dilated you are. Cool. So they took me there. And then the first one that checked me was relatively junior mm-hmm. midwife. And she struggled to check. She said his head was so low mm. that she could had to try to get around his head. And I literally, oh my gosh, that was one of the worst pains I've ever felt in my life was her trying to check. Cause she, and I could literally feel her like pushing the baby back up the other way. To find your service. Yeah, and I was screaming. Oh. I was like, fuck, you know, oh, screaming. Gosh. Anyway, she couldn't do it. No. And then she went and got someone else. And this other midwife came and it was absolutely, completely different when she did it. I could barely mm. feel it. Didn't hurt to talk slightly uncomfortable but there was yeah. no pain and she then and she didn't manage to do it in about 
three seconds. And, and she can was you like, remember oh. how many centimeters you were? Yeah, so then she said, you're three centimeters. Okay. But she said, um, we can't give you the epidural yet because we need to make sure that... She said some people can be one or two, three For centimeters. Days. Yeah. Especially so with your like, second. Yeah. Because your cervix... You might have heard them say multips os. I don't no. know if you heard that. So when you're first time, it's primip, your okay. pri- prima gravida. I love <laughs> such weird words. All these technical words, yeah. And then your um, multi, so multip. And so Is that for all consecutive? Yeah, okay. exactly. So when it's your first baby, your cervix remains closed. It feels like the end of your nose if you were to feel your cervix before okay. you've had a baby. Um, we're all now rubbing our nose. Yeah, we are. <laughs> I actually, yeah. <laughs> and then once you've had a baby, your cervix never goes back to what it was because it's obviously dilated. Okay. So it's always a little bit open and a okay. little bit soft. Uh, it feels like your lips. Okay. Yeah, we're now rubbing our lips. <laughs> so yeah, basically you can be three centimetres for days weeks but you need to have regular strong contractions because that's the thing that's going to open your cervix okay so that's what she was saying yeah so that again you'd be able to tell me now i don't know i felt as if that acted like a sweep almost Uh, maybe the first one could well have done because the second i stood up it was like every three minutes or less like really really strong contractions i was like dragging my husband to the ground like using all the at that stage still able to use all the hypnobirthing visualization stuff so it wasn't second stage labor yeah. but it was really intense contractions very quickly and then like 45 minutes later they checked me again and they said you're uh, five or six centimeters dilated so go, go, like, go. go yeah they were like we've got to go now if you want to um, down to where are you going b b8 i was like ah! yeah. so they were like do you still want to do that i was like take me there right now <laughs> so then i was able to go down there and was the anesthetist available quite quickly straight away so that's again, obviously a massive factor they might you know if they're in theater exactly so i said priority. exactly oh, I I'm, I'm so scared and just telling the story um so that was exactly the thing. Oh, my gosh. They then took me down and they said, right, we'll, we'll find out if the anaesthetist is available. And I said, OK, I want to get in water. So the first time I managed to get into, they had an actual bath in my room. Nice. And that had been amazing. And mm. it just really did instantly. If I couldn't have the epidural, that would definitely be my A next. water bath. Yeah. yeah. Because it really, really helped the first time. So this time I was like, I want to get back in the water and the midwife was like, don't get back in the water because you're going to send things backwards. So don't do that. And I was like, I really want to. She said, no, 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 don't, don't. So I probably waited like 10, 15 minutes and then the anaesthetist was available quite quickly. Oh, phew. Yeah. I've never had an epidural actually, but I've obviously assisted with loads. What, how would you describe having an epidural sighted? Because I think for a lot of women, they're like, oh my God, it's going to be this ginormous needle in your back. And I try and say to women, yeah, but that doesn't stay in. That's just one bit and then it comes out. Yeah. If you could describe what it feels like to have it sighted, Mm -hmm. you know, dispel the myths. Okay. So I, like I said, I have a real phobia of needles. So I've never seen an epidural I don't want to see an epidural until I've had all my children I haven't googled it or I don't want to know any of those sorts of details so I can only say what the feeling is yeah so they spray all that cold spray on your back to sterilize it I suppose and then it just feels like someone's pushing you really hard with their thumb it is hard yeah but it just feels like someone's pushing you really hard with their thumb into your back yeah that's it However, this second time, um, they were doing all of that, and then and they said you have to sort of curve your back over mm-hmm. as they put the epidural in. And I had my feet on a chair, I was sitting on the bed with my feet on a chair, holding my husband's hand, listening to Ed Sheeran on my headphones, <laughs> yeah. and trying to distract myself and doing the breathing. 
And they said to me, look, you can't move. So you, you have to really work hard not to move at that stage. When you're having contractions, which is it's so hard. hard. I don't know what happened their end, but they must have passed a nerve or hit. And all of a sudden, my left leg just flew yeah. out. Which uh, is totally normal. Oh, is it? Yeah. But so they hadn't, they didn't tell me that. And I don't remember it the first time. Oh, interesting. But they, they hadn't told me that. So this, my left leg just went boom, and it fell off the chair. And I sort of slipped off the chair and everyone in the room started shouting. Everyone was like, Aah! and I was like, Aah! and they were like, stay still, stay still. And I, and I was trying to explain. With Ed Sheeran playing. playing. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Strumming away on his guitar and everyone's like, Aah! My husband was just like, don't move, don't move, don't move. Oh. And then then they put it in. And instantly I was like, I thought he was coming out right then. And I could feel like right in my bum. I was like, because they were saying, get back on the bed. And I was like, I can't get on the bed because I'm going to sit on his head. I can't sit down. He must down. have really dropped down, down maybe during those contractions. Anyway, she then checked. She was like, he's not there. He's not there. Get back onto oh, the God. bed. <laughs> was she quite strict? She was really strict, yeah. And then I could really feel the contractions in my lower back, which I had not experienced before. Mm, so um, the epidural didn't help with that? It didn't initially really work. And and I'm talking, it was it was so soon after. I don't think it, had, it hadn't even had five minutes yet. Mm-hmm. And so initially I was then, I remember that that was the time that will really stick in my head because I was holding on to my husband's hands and I was like, oh, this is, and that's when the hypno birthing went out the window because I was like, it's painful contractions. Like, I didn't say surge. I didn't say like, oh, I'm the wave of, no, there was none of that. I just, I lost it. <laughs> but then, then the epidural must have started working because after 15 minutes, it was still really intense, but it wasn't, I wasn't screaming like, oh my gosh, what is this pain? So it did then manage to work slightly. And I remember saying to my midwife, why isn't it helping? Why isn't it helping? And she was like, look, it is helping because you're not screaming. Like, yeah. Just look at what's actually happening. It can take up to half an hour, 40 minutes to, to fully work. work. Yeah. yeah, But I know you want it instantly. Instantly, yeah. So she then said, look, it is actually helping. Like just it wasn't pain free. Yeah. But um, and then after an hour, I could still feel the contractions. So then they topped it up with great. something else. And then you were like, yeah. Yeah, then I was like, great. And then I couldn't feel anything. And, and that was like, again, that hadn't happened the first time I had the epidural, which was an amazing experience. I then could still feel sort of what was going on. And I remember mm. saying to my husband, am I having a contraction? And he'd look at the monitor and be like, oh, yeah, you are. And I was like, oh, okay, I can sort of feel something. This time I could just suddenly I couldn't feel anything I just couldn't feel anything and again I, because I have um, I had had all these anxiety issues someone had once told me some long time ago if you get a spinal mm. they could accidentally block you too high or oh, something yeah. so then you can't feel your breathing and it's quite a weird feeling mm. um, so that had been something I was worried about um, and they, they they added all this stuff to the epidural so I couldn't feel a lot mm. and I remember just asking my sister to really push into my chest with her fingers just so I could make sure I could still feel something there. And you were fine. That, yeah, I was yeah. fine. But it also it just helped me calm down just yeah. to feel, okay, I've still got a level of control. Yeah. Uh, I think it's really interesting you said their control because um, for a lot of women, that's what an epidural does. Mm-hmm. It just almost gives you like a breather, a moment to recharge where you can just have a break from the contractions, but they're still going. Yeah. And you can just kind of like refocus. Yeah. Um, I think epidurals are brilliant. You yeah. know, they serve such an important purpose for labour. And I f- still find women sort of find themselves like, oh, but I had an epidural. And I'm always like, seriously, 
you're not going to have a certificate when you leave that says what pain relief you had. (laughs) When your kid goes to school, they don't like stand up and say, my mum did that. (laughs) Like it's all about creating the most positive experience for you. And I think we need to change the narrative about, you know, the heroes of birth. Like all women are heroes. Women are fucking amazing. Birth is fucking amazing. And I really just want women to believe that even if you have to have a section, like you haven't failed. There is no No. failure in this. You're going to become a mother. Yeah. Like that's amazing. I I couldn't agree more. And again, like I've had that same thing, you know, and I've had the times where I felt like I needed to say, oh, I had an epidural. But um, it was the best thing for me because I really wanted to enjoy the process of giving birth I didn't want to have any of those feelings of, oh, gosh, I I can't do this. Or I really wanted to just have a positive, feel really powerful, in control. And for me, the epidural allowed me to do that. Amazing. So then how long after it was sighted were you then ready to push? Because obviously you couldn't feel anything. Yeah, so it was probably only about 45 minutes to an hour. And the midwife had said, I'll come in and out and I'll check and la la la. Um, They broke my waters Mm -hmm. for me. And then I remember the midwife coming back and she said, right, you know, we, we would usually now give it a few hours yeah. to let things progress before pushing. Yeah. And then she she checked. And she said, oh, you are quite far dilated, so you might be ready to push pretty soon. Um, I'm going to go, put my gloves on, get things ready and come back and, you know, we can we can get started. Yeah. I said, okay, so that had only been about an hour and a half maybe. Mm. And then she turned around to put her gloves on. And she, she, just before she turned around, she was like, oh, shall we have a baby? And I was like, oh, okay. So she said, I'm just going to go and put my gloves on. So she went to put her gloves on and my sister was there. My sister was like, is that is that the head? And the midwife was like, no, 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 no. Like, we've still got some time. And then my sister was like, no, 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 that's the head. And then the midwife turned around. She was like, I haven't got my gloves on, is all she said. She was like, I haven't got my gloves on. And then we just sat there and I was sitting up, looking down. And I, I looked at her and I said, shall I push? And she said, you don't have to. And I just sat there and he just wriggled out. It was... That is amazing. Yeah. It was It was so different. You know, the first time I did all the pushing and I could feel yeah. the whole program. Like I said, I felt the crowning and then it was this whoosh. Oh, he's out. Oh, wow. Whereas this time I was still in the headspace of, okay, I need to start pushing. And then all of a sudden he was just... He just wriggled his way out. It was amazing. So despite having a really heavy epidural block and you not being able to feel anything, your uterus still pushed your baby out. Yeah. Yeah, it did that it is amazing. Yeah, I did it completely. I li- I did not push. It just came out. And my husband's like, "See, I told you you can breathe the baby out." So I was like, oh. <laughs> and then did you pick him up? Did the midwife give him to you? What, like- um, the midwife then got him and gave him to me. And I remember feeling so different to the first time because I'd done all this pushing when my first son was born. I remember them putting him onto my chest. And I, I remember that big whoosh of feeling. Even though I'd had the epidural, I got this big whoosh because people had said to me, you won't get that feeling if you have the epidural. How helpful. And I, yeah. <laughs> and I definitely still, I was like, I was in tears. I was like, Aww. isn't he just amazing? Aww. Like the whole thing was just incredible. And this time I was so in the headspace of, okay, I've got to push. Did you still have Ed Sheeran on in your headphones? I think I did still have Ed Sheeran on. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Why you didn't call your baby Ed? Ed I know, oh no. <laughs> no, it's so embarrassing. And so this time he like wriggled his way out and then the midwife picked him up, put him on straight onto my chest. And I remember just 
I was in total shock. It was just a shock. I instantly knew I loved him, of course. But all that other stuff that you feel, because it's not just love that you feel. No. I always describe the the first time. I instantly felt such animal instincts. I felt like a lion. And I was like, I'm a lioness. This is my cub. Don't fuck with us. Don't don't touch my baby. Yeah, I was like, literally, don't. And this time, I just felt complete shock. I was... And I just kept looking at him and I remember thinking, you're here. I don't I don't know you, I haven't, haven't met you before. And you've just been bought. I was not ready to see you right now. I was just in complete shock. I think sometimes women, they know their baby in utero. They know their bump so well and you have this connection. And then it's almost like you have to relearn to know this person outside of you. Yeah. I felt that with my babies when they were born. Looked at them, I'm like, who are you? Or, you know, you try and imagine what your baby will look like when you're pregnant and they never look how you think they're going to look. And it's almost like you're a complete stranger to me, yet we've known each other internally. It's such an abstract thing. You can't really get your head around it. And also, the first time, I think it's different the second time. It was for me because the whole pregnancy, the second pregnancy, I remember thinking hang on especially when I found out it was a boy I couldn't get my head around like how am I going to love this baby the same way I love yes. my child you're not him I, I, I couldn't yeah. you know, get past that fully and then when he was born again I was like whoa we've made you the same ingredients but a completely different baby it was it was did he look like his brother no, he no, he no. didn't. He did. He he does. They do have some similarities, and I mean, when he's new, newborns are all wrinkly, and <laughs> so. But I was I was very aware this is not Rio, and it was just it was equally as amazing, but I just remember feeling complete shock that it it, it happened so quickly. I had not anticipated that. There's obviously pros and cons for a, a quick birth and a long birth, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, but exactly. You, to get your head around it. How do you feel now on reflection? I don't know. Did you feel like judged that you had an epidural? Did you find yourself maybe not telling some people? Because women are so quick to judge. And motherhood is, you're opening yourself up to an audience of judges, baby groups. You know, I used to hide the dummy. Did you? With my first. (laughs) take We go to like baby weigh-in or any baby group. And I take her in her pram and she'd have her dummy. And then when I got there, I'd whip the dummy out because I was ashamed yeah. By the time I got to the twins, I was like, like dummy, dummy, dummy yeah. everywhere. <laughs> yeah. But did you feel like, I don't know, like how was it perceived? I have always been really confident in my decision. I knew, I knew what I wanted. From years before I had a baby, I knew that this is what I wanted to do. So I didn't really pay much attention to people who would judge. I, I have had times where I felt like, oh gosh, now everyone tells their birth story around a table. And they're like, I had nothing but gas and air. And I have to be like, I wanted every drug I could get. <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm so, I, I, I had two very positive experiences. So I'd recommend it if it was me. In each episode of Birth Stories, my guests and I take a question. Here's this week's question. Do you think we can do it, Shakira? Yeah. I hope so. <laughs> I'm pretty phobic about blood loss. It's the one thing I'm most worried about. Screw pain. I'm good with that. Just blood. What's the usual risk with a vaginal birth? Is there anything I can do to prep myself beforehand so I'm not so anxious? Well, you've obviously talked about your needle phobia. Mm-hmm. What did you? What tools did you put in place to kind of get 
not even get over to manage I would say your um, needle phobia I did lots of mindfulness and I've also done hypnotherapy I think I said that at the beginning and both of those really helped me to cope with my anxieties and I think one thing that will also be key is having a good support network around you I think educating yourself I'm one of those people where I need to know the facts I want to know what's going on and why so for me to learn about the epidural I wanted to really understand what Mm -hmm. what it was to try to understand what my fear was and identify that and then I could cope with that and deal with that yeah um and in terms of blood loss I mean obviously you will know much more than I on that the Mm. technical side of things but I remember with my with my first my sister took a photo that I looked at afterwards right when he'd been born and you can still see the umbilical cord running from him right still my placenta was still in in my uterus and I, I remember seeing seeing that picture and it and it's it's weird to see it because everything's still so fresh from yeah. birth. <laughs> but um it's definitely not as horrific. I don't know what this listener is picturing, but it's not it wasn't like a massacre. It didn't look like this horrific horror movie. No. I've been through labour twice and both times I don't actually remember seeing any blood at all. And I know I know there must have been some yeah. from um, you know, every from everything that's keeping the baby in there. But They'll tidy everything so quickly, and it was it. You don't really notice or feel this big trauma. Yeah, I think um, she said what's like kind of the usual risk of vaginal birth and like blood loss. Anything um, under like five hundred mils is deemed within normal limits for yeah. a blood loss. But I wouldn't suggest you now go and fill like a bottle of water <laughs> with five hundred mils because again, that's going to look so much. Yeah. Um, blood loss can come from various places so it could come from a tear so from your vagina or you're going to naturally experience blood loss when the placenta is being delivered because obviously it's a big vascular organ but I think like you don't necessarily notice it it's almost like your baby comes out and they might have a bit of blood on them a bit of vernix that white creamy stuff but again you don't when you're looking at your baby you don't look at that no there's just so many other amazing things and I think I think this is where like kind of television and films can really ruin and yeah. put the fear into them. It isn't like a massacre. It's no. not like someone's bleeding from an artery. And, no. You know, it's not it's not A and E. It's yeah. it's just natural blood loss. But I think um really good tip you said is about doing some like mindfulness. Yeah. I would definitely speak to your midwife about if you feel you've got a phobia of something that's gonna yeah. contribute possibly to fear and labour. Um, write it on your birth preference. Yeah. So it might be something like, as midwives, we, we get really excited about the placenta and we're always like, do you want to see it? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, I've been asked that yeah. every do time. Do you want to see your placenta? Yeah. We love placentas. <laughs> but if you're really phobic, just be really um, communicative with your midwife or your birth partner because that's what they're mm. there for to say, by the way, she doesn't want to see the placenta at all. Can you just whisk it away? Mm-hmm. So I think... When you're pregnant, this is the time to put these kind of little provisions in place. Yeah. Would you agree? Yeah, I would. And also, you've created such an amazing environment in your tummy when you, by the time you're in that late third trimester stage, and maybe just trying to think more positively about that and that everything that you're worried about or the the 500 mil of blood that you know you you mentioned there it's actually such a positive thing that you were able to create that and keep that in there and that when the baby comes out you know it's still surrounded by what it knows and maybe thinking about it like that I think that's really lovely if you've got a question you'd like me and my guest to answer on the podcast please email birthstoriespodcast at gmail.com 
Shakira, thank you so much for coming on thank and you sharing me. your birth story. I love it that it was his birthday as well this week. Yeah. It was like a little tribute it's to him. It's been amazing to like relive it like yeah. that. Yeah, it's great. Tell us, how can we find out more about you and your campaigns and your project? Plug yourself away. <laughs> so my website is stronglikemum.com and I'm on Instagram as shakira.akabusi. So your campaign, Strong Like Mum, what is it? What does it mean? What are you doing? So um, I specialise in pre and postnatal fitness. I was told all the time during my first pregnancy of everything I'd never do again. Like, you're never going to sleep again. You're never going <sighs> to be confident, never wear a bikini, never <laughs> be as active, all of those things. And to me, like, that had always been a part of my life and I wanted to maintain that. And I've it's actually been the complete opposite. I've never felt as confident or as empowered as I have now as a mum. I use fitness and I want to help other women use a healthy lifestyle and use fitness as a way to empower themselves to feel confident in achieving whatever their goals are. Amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Thank Thanks you for having so me. Much. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Birth Stories with me, Clemmy Hooper. Remember to subscribe on your favourite podcast app so that you can listen as soon as the podcast comes out each week. And please rate it and leave a review if you have time. You can find more Birth Stories on my blog, Gas and Air, and you can find me on Instagram at Mother of Daughters. Birth Stories was produced by Hannah Varrell and created by Offscript. 